And today we're talking about being addicted, or more specifically, freedom from addiction. Addiction's a big part of our culture and our problem, isn't it? Uh, uh, when I was in college, I will be honest with you, I had a pretty big addiction. It was huge. Now, some of you guys see my, my brown paper bag right here, and you're a little concerned right now because you say, what was that addiction? My addiction was found in this, this paper bag. It was tough. Uh, every single morning, I dealt with this addiction. It was a tough thing. And it all started one day when I was on my way to a class. I had a, a, an early morning class, very early morning. And after being up late, playing FIFA soccer and other important things that college kids do till 3 in the morning, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning was a hard, hard time. And so I'd get up just before class, I would run down to my class, and I would get, it was across a campus, I'd get down there, I'd sit in the back of my class, because that's what you do when you're, you know, in college, you sit in the back as far as you can, uh, and, and I sat there, and I would be starving hungry every day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, until one day, I was walking by this little uh, shop we had on campus, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to walk into this shop, and I'm going to, you know, get something to eat. So I, I walked in there, and the first thing I came across was one of these. It was right on the end cap. It's a hostess apple pie, if you can't, can't see it. And so it was, I, I, I walk in the room. There's this, you know, there's all the shelves there, and there's this end cap, and there's this whole thing of chocolate and cherry and apple pie. So I pick this thing up, and I go back to the dairy case, and I pull out my next part of my new addiction, which was a bottle of Nestle Quick chocolate milk. And I use the word milk very lightly, because if you know what's in these things, they're not very good for you. So I bought this stuff, and I went to my class, sat down in the very back of the room, enjoyed my breakfast, and I will tell you, if you laugh at me, this says on here, it says real fruit filling, okay? So back off, all right? This right here says... This is made of milk, and so it's good for you, right? Healthy, it's good stuff, it's wonderful. My breakfast one day was awesome. And, and I'll tell you, I ate my hostess apple pie, and I ate my, my, or drank my milk, and the reality is, is I loved it. It tasted so good. So the next day, I go, I go towards my class, and guess what happened? You don't have to guess, right? You probably know already. I walked into that little store, and I picked up an apple pie, and picked up a Nesquik, and I walked to my class, and I enjoyed my breakfast, and I did that again, and again, and again, and again. What happened, I had this class on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and what started out as a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday tradition didn't last that way for very long. And what I discovered happening was I started going back that, going through that little place on Tuesdays and Thursdays, sometimes twice a day, where I would go into that room, into that place, and I would buy a hostess apple pie, and I would buy a thing of Nesquik. Day in and day out, week in and week out, until one day, finally, a, a buddy of mine, who I sat next to, uh, said, Steve, I think you're addicted. And he kind of did it as a joke a little bit, and I was like, I'm not addicted, it's just, it's a hostess pie and a Nesquik. He goes, 
can you stop? And I said, sure, I can stop. He said, tomorrow, come here without that, and then we'll see. So I had a dilemma on my hands. Because I, I remember this. I remember walking by that store thinking, man, my stomach was hungry. I had this, this sweet fix every day for this time. So guess what happens? I walk in that store, and I go, go in there. The, the guy knew me by now, and I bought my nest quick and my apple pie, went to class, and the dude la- starts laughing at me. He says, Steve, you're addicted. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, prove it. Don't come in with that. And I said, man, why do I need to? It's good. He said, Steve, you're addicted. And so for the next few days, he, every time I had it, he said, Steve, you're addicted. And finally, I got defensive with him. And he said, Steve, turn over the box. Well, back then, it was, it was a wax paper thing. He goes, turn it over and see what's in what you're eating. And I said, okay, I can do that. So I took my pie out while I was eating it, and I flipped it over, and I will be honest with you, what I saw on the back of that little package horrified me. It was awful, and I won't tell you what's in this, but I will be honest with you, if you eat one of these things day in and day out, every day, sometimes twice a day, you are going to have a problem on your hands. Further, if you drink one of these, and back then, they were twice the size, and they back then, now they're made with skim milk, back then it was 2% 2% milk, I will tell you what, I was put, I was putting into my body was horrifying. I was addicted. And I said, man, I, I, I need help. <laughs> Addiction is, is one of those things that a lot of us can relate to and understand, can't we? We are in good company with this. It's not new with us. Even, even Bible heroes dealt with addiction. Romans chapter 7 which is one of the scriptures I'm thankful that's in the Bible. I'm thankful that Paul had the wherewithal and the guts to to admit what he was about to admit to us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, who much of our New Testament theology is, thanks to Paul, wrote these words where he essentially says, I'm an addict. He says, Romans 7.21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now, how many of you can relate to those words? Let's just be honest with you. This is a, you know, a safe place, right? I, I want to do the right thing. My heart says, I, my heart is, you know, you've heard it, people say, my heart is in it. I really want to do the right thing. But I, but I see that this evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I love, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within me. In other words, I want to do what's right. I know to do what's right, but I struggle big time with it. Addiction is pain, isn't it? Right there, Paul admits this is a problem that, that, that people have had throughout history. And this message today is for every person who says, there's something in me that I do, that I shouldn't do, that I do, that I don't want to do, that I still do. And I'm not going to ask you today, right quite yet, that's a minute here, but I'm not going to ask you, but man, I would venture, venture to guess a lot of us have a deep thing deep down in our lives that people know about or maybe that they don't know about that we are addicted to. Let's do this this morning. How many of you would say that, the pers- that a, a person that you love, care for, 
that's, that's important to you. That, that someone like that has an addiction in your life. You just, you know someone who does. You just, raise your hand. Uh, you know someone in your life that has, walks in, lives in an addiction. Now, how many of you guys would say, uh, I myself have an addiction that I struggle with, that I have a hard time with. I am addicted to something. Put your hand, put your hand in the air. It's It's okay. Okay, less hands that time. What's funny is the person next to you raised their hands about you, and so you don't know that yet, but, but they did. They told me that today, but, but anyway, no. It, it, Paul admits it. Let's just be honest this morning. Let's just be honest. Addiction is a deal in our culture. And again, for many of us, well, we'd probably never admit this. We'd probably never tell anybody else about this, but we know that there are things deep inside of our lives where we can relate to Paul on so many levels. I know what I should do. I know it's the right thing to do, but I find it so hard to, to do it. But before we fix it today, I, I want to expose it somewhat. Let's, let's start here, Dave. Let's, let's, let's talk about the, the cycle of addiction this morning. There's five steps, and I, I encourage you to, to take notes if you, uh, if you take notes, it'd be great today. If you, uh, if you have your phone, uh, you're addicted anyway, so pull it out and, and use that. Because again, you're addicted, you're using it anyway. I know you are. And so you think, you think I can't see you? Oh, come on, I'll be honest with you, I see everything. But, uh, but no, you know, people make fun of you for it. You may as well use it for good and say, see, I'm using it for notes, so back off. So take that out today and take some, some notes this morning, walking through this cycle of addiction. Paul introduces the pain Let's get the cycle today. Number one is this thing becomes a part of my identity. That's why I, I don't, I disagree somewhat with 12-step programs. They've, they've been good in a lot of ways for a lot of people, but the problem with 12-step programs is this, is that they all start out the same, don't they? My name is Steve Royalty, and I am an alcoholic. My name is Steve Royalty, and I am an apple pie-aholic. My name is Steve Royalty, and I am a Nesquik-aholic, Right? they start, isn't it? They start out the same way, and I get why. It's you shouldn't forget. You shouldn't forget where you've been. It's valuable and important to remember where you've come from. Those are good things. The problem comes when we get so ingrained with where we came from that that still is our identity, right? It's a dangerous thing. Jesus speaks in John chapter 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be what? You'll be free indeed. It's hard for us to admit that if we believe that we're still the person that we were before. When Jesus sets you free, the Word says, based on the authority of Scripture, when the, Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Now that doesn't mean that you are free from the problems. You're free from some of, of, of the, the consequences that you had before you're set free. Some of us, there's consequences to our addictions. They're there. When Jesus sets you free, he doesn't always change those things. But you are no longer the person you were before you were changed. He changes your identity this morning. Number two is closely associated with number one. When I try to quit but fail, I feel hopeless. When I try to quit but fail, I feel hopeless. I've struggled. I have, it's been difficult. I've tried to walk away from this. I've done this for years. I can't fight it anymore. It's just who I am. 
I just need to learn how to accept it. See, a lot of people who are living in addiction are in this stage right here, hopeless. I'm going to take a, 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 a moment here and address a case study, so to speak, of addiction. Talk about pornography. A lot of people uh, are addicted to porn in our culture. We, we know that. It's, it's no secret. If the, the stats are true, there's people in this room right now, men and women, who have a secret addiction to pornography. It's, it's, it's true. It's, it's, tr- it's reality. A, a lot of people in our culture struggle with this. If you have struggled with pornography, you know this part of the struggle, don't you? It's hard. I've tried. I've tried to break free. I've tried to walk away. I've done this. I've done that. I've tried programs. And nothing has seemed to work. What's so frustrating about pornography is it is a, it is a destructive sin, isn't it? It's destructive. It, it changes, it messes with your mind when it relates to your marriage or relationships. It, it changes how you view the world. It is what I believe, and this is just for free today, but I believe this, that the enemy has used sexual brokenness and sexual addiction and sin like he's used uh, oppression and possession in other parts of the world. Places like Africa, where they see these crazy, weird, you know, uh, uh, animists and things. They're doing all this weird, crazy stuff because they're possessed. You, you hear those stories? Those don't happen here in the U.S. as much. Why? Because the enemy is smart. He knows how this works. That doesn't fly in America. So he uses a much more sinister tactic to put us under oppression and possession through sexual brokenness. A lot of people are oppressed and possessed by the enemy through these things. And you have tried with all your heart to break free, and you just plain can't. And nobody knows. No one knows this, this struggle. No one knows the pain. And you feel and you think you're the only person that deals with that. Oh, you think other people do, but no one fights it like you do. No one fights this like, like me. This is the problem with addiction that usually not many people know about what's happening in, in, in our lives. It's, it's destructive. Now, I'll be honest with you this morning. I am one that has struggled with pornography. I have. You might say, are you kidding, Pastor? You, you, many guys have struggled with pornography. Many guys have have had this as a struggle on some portion or level of their lives, and they feel there is no way out. I am here to tell you today, church, men and women, listen, there is a way out. There is a way to walk away from this stuff. You can find freedom. You can find the, 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 the chains of addiction broken in your life. You can this morning, though, it starts when, when, when you start to, to, to allow God's word to be activated in your life. First Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. If you are here today and you are struggling through addiction, I want to tell you today, do not let the enemy take away one of your greatest weapons in the fight. And that weapon is the weapon of hope. 
He would love nothing more than to make you believe that this scripture is not for you. This Bible is not yours. It's for somebody else and not for you. Somebody else has freedom, but not you. Don't let the enemy tell you that this morning. The truth this morning is this. When you allow God to come and to change you and to set you free, and you allow him to bring hope in your life, you can find freedom. Number three this morning is any threat to my addiction becomes a threat to me. You ever noticed before when you, someone's addicted to something and you, you, you confront them, it's like the, the cat claws go out, you know, like, not me, back off, man. It's not my problem. I'm not addicted to that. What I did with my, my breakfast uh, a while back, I'll tell you, I was like, no, I'm not addicted. So many people, when we come to the place, the point of addiction, what happens is with this addiction becomes a part of us, a threat to it becomes a threat to me. Because so many of us want to keep everybody else at an arm's length. You can come close, but only so close. Get closer than this, my arms are out, I will resist, I will not allow you to come closer to me because I don't have a problem. I will tell you this morning, church, if you struggle through addiction, you have to come to grips this morning with this. A threat to your addiction is not a threat to you. A threat to your addiction is the beginning of change in your life. When you start to get real and walk away from being defensive, you start to find that there's hope if, to break free from this addiction. Number four, I began to lose my life. This message is dedicated to those today that would say, this can't be how my life is supposed to be. This can't be how it was supposed to end up. For years I've struggled. For years I've this. For years I've, I've that. This can't be how it's supposed to be. This message this morning is, is for you. When you begin to lose your life, when your life begins to be ruined or destroyed by things that you say, do, or, or, or operate, you need to t- stick, stick, stick up and, and take notice because the last part of this addiction cycle is perhaps the, the most deadly and is I ease the pain by getting the next fix. I click again. I, I, I watch it again. I drink again. I shovel another half gallon of rocky road into a bowl and one more time, I say, I'll change someday, but not today. I'll do it someday, but I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, not today. Today is just this is so good. I don't want to change today. See, when that begins to be a part of our reality, we are stuck in the addiction cycle, and we need to learn how to break free. But you know this this morning as well as I do, that wanting to and doing it are two different things, aren't they? Wanting to break free and breaking free are are, are different. So how do we break free this morning? Well, here's hope today. The hope is this. Focus on a heart change and behavior will follow. For years in addictions, for years in things, people believe and think that if I change my addiction, then I'll change everything. And they have fought and worked to change this, but they haven't realized that there's a deeper issue going on there that it's not the addiction as much as it is there's a heart behind the addiction. That is what you need to begin to understand and attack and work towards if you're going to find freedom. I'm convinced of something that that many of us who are addicted 
We aren't actually that upset with our thing we're addicted to. We're upset with the results that it brings, right? If you're addicted to Nesquik, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I learned it, I didn't hate Nesquik. I hated what it was doing to me. I didn't hate apple pies. Actually, it was quite the contrary. I loved them. They were awesome, including when I knew they were going to kill me. The problem is not the addiction oftentimes. The problem goes much deeper. And, and to, to illustrate this deeper issue, we have a word in the Old Testament that is kind of offensive but pretty important to understand this. The heart of the problem is an I word that, be, that ends with dolatry. I-dolatry. Look at today at Isaiah 44, and it gives such an incredible picture on the nature and the heart of addiction through the eyes of idolatry. And again, idolatry is defined as this. Anything we've allowed importance in our hearts above God. Anything we, we, we should stop, but can't stop, but want to stop, but just can't seem to do it, then we know it's wrong, but we continue to do it because it feels also right. That's there because I argue because it's an idol. Notice today how Isaiah 44, verse 9 starts. It says, how foolish are those who manufacture idols? It's crazy, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Who in the right mind would make an idol? Who in their right mind would build some, some statue out of a piece of wood and bow down to it? It is crazy. The scripture here acknowledges that. But it continues, these prized objects are worthless. And get this, the people who worship idols don't know this, so they're put to shame. Think of all the addictions and the things that have happened in people's lives. Isn't that the point and the purpose and the picture of addiction? They're put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God? An idol that cannot help him out one bit. Man, if it doesn't sound like, like addiction, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. And you replace the word addiction with idol and you you see the point here. Let's, let's continue. Let's get down to verse 15 here, referring to how the idol is constructed. He begins to talk this through and, and, and gets deep in this. You start to see the heart of idolatry and addiction. See so if you can catch it today. He uses the piece of wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and keep himself warm. Starts out good. I like steak and I like being warm. So those two things are really good. And so this, this, this person right here, this subject, starts out with a good thing. Wood is, is, a, is a tool that's used in a good way to produce warmth and produce food. This is a wonderful thing. But... A line is crossed the next part where he says, verse 16, he says, ah, oh, that fire feels good. He takes this thing and begins to change his relationship with it. And then verse 17, it gets crazy when he says, he takes what's left and makes it his God, a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. You break it down, and this, this man begins to have an improper relationship with what God has used to bless him. 
He takes the wood, he takes this that had been in, in its nature a good thing, and he, he, he takes it and needs to see this as not being what was meant to be, but as being his source and his strength and his shield. And the relationship changes and begins to be an improper relationship. And the verse 18 says, this is such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed, they cannot see, their minds are shut, they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect why it's just a block of wood or it's just a donut or just a picture or just whatever it might be. I burned half of it for heat and used it to make my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a God? Should I now bow down and worship pieces with the poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes? You trust something, you cannot help him at all. This is important, church, yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol that I'm holding in my hand a lie? I'm going to pause there for a moment today. And I want you to think about that question. Is the thing that I hold in my hand a lie? Is this item that I hold in my hand not providing and doing for me what it was meant to provide and, and do. An unhealthy relationship begins to happen in our lives that has a very quick pathway to addiction when we start to see things in our lives beyond for what they were meant to be there for. And I'll tell you today, if you can't give it up, if you can't change it, if you can't break it, if you can't walk away from these things and find change and find difference in your life, the thing you hold in your hand might just be that. I, I can't tell you that thing today. I, I can't. You might say, well, what is it? I can't tell you that. Any pastor that tells you this is your deal is, is, is missing the point. I can bring you to the Bible. I can bring you to Scripture. I can bring you to the cross. I can bring you to that place. But I can't answer this question for you. You have to take this truth in your hand and ask the question of yourself, is this thing I'm holding in my hand, is this a lie? Am I addicted to the power that I get from my job? Am I addicted to the feeling, feeling I get when that person who is of the opposite gender appreciates me or sends me a look my way when my wife at home is not? Is, is that a problem? Is, is my, my, my need for more, my need for more money, more power, more this, more that, is that, am I, am I addicted to that? Is my need for a drink, or my need for a hit, or my need for a click on the internet, or whatever it might be, is, are these things in my life an idol? And is it a lie? You have to answer that question for your, yourself. And I, I can lead you there, but I can't lead you to that answer this morning. Because the truth is this, I, I think we've, we've attacked addiction too lightly. Now, if you are in the throes of addiction, you say, baloney, pastor. I have worked and sweated and tried and put effort and worked and sweat and tried and put effort for years and years of my life. How dare you say that I haven't tried this hard enough? How dare you say that? You just say, well, you can find freedom. I have worked and tried and sweat and blood. I've tried this all my life. And yet here I sit in the place of addiction. How dare you do that this morning, Pastor Steve? But I stand by my statement. I think we've attacked addiction too lightly. 
To give us an illustration of what I mean by that, I want to point you to this morning to what I believe is the fix, what has been the fix in my life, and I am want to express that to you. Remember today, focus on a heart change, and behavior will follow. That's hard to define, isn't it? It's hard to find what that means. What are you talking about? Well, Jesus gives a helpful answer in an illustration in a famous story that's found in Luke 15 that is known as the story, the parable of the prodigal son. You know this story probably very well. You've heard it. You've heard it spoken and, and, and said and repeated probably many times. And you know the story. The man in this, in this verse, I'm going to turn there. I encourage you to do that. This, this man had two sons. He was a wealthy man, a rich man. He had two sons, and, 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 and one of the sons decided that he didn't want to live in the life that he was now living anymore. And so he tells his father, his wealthy father, he says, Dad, give me my half of the inheritance. Now, you got to realize, that's a slap in the face. Imagine your son or daughter coming to you and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead because I want my money and I want it now, so let me have it. I'm going to go and I'm going to do my thing. Knowing what the son was going to do, the dad gave it to him. Man, that's incredible. He gives him this inheritance. You know the story. The the young man goes off to a distant land and, and he wastes this inheritance, waste what his dad had worked and, and, and sweat and had, had, had wanted to bless his son with, had worked for this, his son blows it all in a few moments. And as the Bible says, wild living, probably wild women, probably all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm sure there was probably insane stuff he was doing and living it up and probably having a good time and probably enjoying things. If someone says sin's not fun, they're lying to you, right? Sin's fun for a season. This man wastes this life on this, wastes all of this on, on this, this life, and, and it comes to the end, and what happens oftentimes is as the money runs out, so does the friends, so does the fun, so does all these things, and so what it says right here is he has a moment of realization, doesn't he? He says, he stops, and he, he says, man, he said, i I, I got to feed myself somehow. So the son, who probably never in his life had to do this, hires himself out to a man to feed his pigs. Of course, the story goes that this, as this man feeds these pigs, he says, man, I'm hungry, but the scripture here says in 16, I, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And then I want to pause here for a moment. This is a holy moment, and you need to catch this next part. I have led this entire message up to this moment. This is the apex of our message today. If you hear nothing else, I want you to zero in on this. Because this is the most this is the biggest thing. This is, this is the moment of the story that changes everything. This man had wasted his life. He'd wasted everything on this. He was hungry. No one gave him anything. And in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he realized how many of my father's servants are, are, have enough to eat. I'm going to go to my father's house where I know I'll be fed. You want to know why we struggle with addiction? 
because we don't understand that. The scripture here, it, it starts out by Jesus saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. We often focus on the other parts of that story, but forget the biggest moment of that story. When he came to his senses, he realized, well, even my father's servants have enough to eat. I'm going to go to my father's house, and I know I'll have enough there. We struggle with addiction because we struggle with that concept. I didn't finish the end of my story at the beginning. I'd like to tell you that when I learned my addiction, <laughs> that I quit, right? My mom is a health nut, okay? I grew up, this is bad stuff. I knew that. I knew it would kill me. I knew it would make me unhealthy. But knowing wasn't enough for me because I still had to walk by that, that, uh, that place every morning. I still woke up at night tired because I'd been up till three in the morning, generally speaking, playing FIFA soccer and playing video games. I got up late. I got up very late. I had to rush out the door sometimes in my PJ pants and my T-shirts to run down to class so I wouldn't be late. And, and, and I, I walked by, and I will tell you what, I was starving when I walked past that door to that store. I would I like to tell you that I was strong enough to not, to not do that, walk in, but I wasn't. I continued to walk in, and I continued to have my friend say, Steve, you got, it. You got a problem. you got to quit doing that. And, 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 and he continued to do that until one day I realized something. By accident, I went to bed early one night, and I got up the next day on time, and I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and have breakfast, good breakfast. I walked down the stairs to, to, the, to the bottom of Carlson Hall, my, my dorm where I lived, and Walked in, had a wonderful breakfast. And when I walked to class that day, guess what? I wasn't hungry. It was so much easier for me to walk past that place and do what I knew I should do because I was no longer hungry for it. I realized that the good stuff was in the bottom of Carlson Hall, not sitting in that little bodega. And so when I, when, I, when I began to not just know that, but I began to do that, then change happens. Church, this morning, I want you to hear this, this. You'll be less hungry for slop when you're eating at the table of the king. You'll be less hungry for slop when you're eating at the table of the king. My addiction in my life has been broken. Believe me, I tried to break it. Believe me, I tried all kinds of stuff. And I kept not doing it until I learned this concept in my life. If I'm not eating at his table, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be broken. I'm going to be missing it. I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be lost. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to have those times because I'm a human being. And if Paul had them, then so for sure I'm going to have them. So many of us struggle with addiction because we are, we're hungry. We're hungry. How your heads and close your eyes this morning. Honestly, if you find yourself in a place of addiction, and I really want you to close your head or close your 
your, your eyes and bow your heads today. This, the example of this young man is so helpful in turning from addiction. If you're here today and that's your reality for you, let's follow what he does. Number one, he comes to his senses. He says, I need help. You have to come to your senses and realize that what is happening is not going to help you. I need help. Number two, he, he turns. He turns away. This passage in this, 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 this scripture is an allegory of God's relationship with us. And so we can look at this father as being God. And he turns to God. And he, what's so fa- amazing is we so often think when we're caught in addiction, we come to God, he's going to hate us or not care about us. He's going to throw the, a, a lightning bolt at him. Well, what, is he, what does God do? What does the father do in this story? The father is waiting for this young man on his porch. And when he sees him coming from afar off, the dad, God, runs to him. And rather than make him his slave and make him his servant, what he expected to happen, he throws a cloak around him and throws him a giant beast. And he eats and he eats and he eats and he eats. There is food at the table of God. There is richness at God's table. But if you don't come to your senses and realize it's true and say, God, that's where I need to be. God, that's where it happens. That's where it is. Until we do that, we're going to struggle. He turns to, his, to Jesus, and then he admits it. I've, I've messed up. If you are in the, the, the throes of addiction, admit it. Why is it so hard to admit? If you want to keep people at arm's length, I'll tell you, I'm proud of people when they admit, say, Steve, I, I, I struggle with this. You are finding help. You are shedding light on darkness. The church should be the most honest, most open, most real, most amazing place, and, and the entire week should happen on Sundays. And we say, guess what? I've messed up. I'm not perfect. I have problems. I am addicted. I have this. I have that. Admit it and find a way to shed light and run to that. Say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to shed light. And then lastly, disconnect from that thing. And this church is where fasting is mega helpful. If you are addicted, I implore you. I beg you. I plead with you. Fast over that thing. Fasting disconnects you from that from yourself, it disconnects you from those, and it connects you to God. If you struggle with an eating addiction, then fast. If you struggle with a porn addiction, then fast. If you struggle with an addiction to Pokemon, I don't know, then begin to fast. If anything has such a heavy heart hold over you that you can't break free, fast from it, disconnect from it. You're going to find that in the ta- at the table of the Father, there is rich blessing. This, this most happens when we struggle. We walk through hard times. I know in my own life, and I'll be honest with you today, I know when I am susceptible to temptation. I know it's when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, when I'm stressed, 
When my wife and I have been busy, and so we haven't been able to be together, if you know what I'm talking about, when all this, those things happen, I know that those moments, I am at a place of temptation. There's times in our lives we know that we struggle in those moments. Yours may be different, but I'll tell you, they usually come around hunger, stress, and disconnection. When you see that in your life, when you recognize that you have times of weakness, I encourage you to do things that will help to disconnect you from those things and turn around. Man, I want to be helpful again. I just feel this is strong today. I need to address this. Um, years ago, I heard a, an incredible message from a, a pastor who, who said, and it was a very well-known, very successful pastor, said, men and, and women, if you don't get your addictions in hand, your lives will be ruined. And he said this, he said, you need to take steps today to protect you from your tomorrows of weakness because they will happen. And he says, this is, what she, this is what I have done, Steve. Her, well, he's talking to me, felt like. He, this, this man said, I have locked my phone down, I have locked down my internet, I've locked all these things down because I know that if there comes a point when I am tempted or when I am tired or when I, the enemy comes to try to destroy me, I'm not going to allow him to do those things. So that time I took that challenge and I went home and I, there's this website called x3church.com and if you don't know what that is, it's not some sinister thing, what it is, it's that helps people break free from addiction to pornography. They have, a, they have a program called X3 Watch where you can download it, you can put it on your computer, and you can put in a, a, a web or a, an email address, and every time you go to someplace naughty, that person that is set up for that, set up in that email address, will get a, an email. Guess who my person is? My wife. I told her, I said, honey, I'm going to set this up because I want you to know if I struggle, you are the first person to know. I will tell you this much. When you start taking steps to eliminate the enemy's influence in your life, it's amazing how the temptation has very little of in, or, or any effect on your life. Take steps. Do something. Disconnect from it. Fast. Fasting is not penance. Teaching your body and soul a lesson it needs to learn. I'm fulfilled not on the things of the world. I'm filled when my soul is connected to God. When I'm eating at the table of the king, you would today stand across this room. I've gone longer than I anticipated today, but this is an important thing. Heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. I could have the prayer team come forward this today just for a few moments, and we're going to close here in just a bit, but I, I, I want to have a chance this morning for God to speak to you, and I want to bring you back, as heads about us closed, back to that question today that we brought before us. This hand, the thing I'm, I'm holding in my hand, is this thing a lie? And if that answer to that is yes, or is maybe, or is I don't know, but it feels like it might be, I want to encourage you, church, there is hope found in Jesus. But I want to also encourage you to engage the fight. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't look at this as being no big deal. Engage the fight. I want to encourage you to do these four things, to, to come to your senses, to turn, to admit, and to disconnect from this thing. And I will tell you this morning, if you will begin to focus your attention 
on Jesus, you will change your actions. Jesus, I lift up our church and each person's room right now to you. I'd be remiss right now if I asked, if you are here today, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you've sensed his call this morning that maybe you need to turn your heart towards him, I want to encourage you now to say, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe God's teaching you, realizing for a moment that, man, I, I gotta turn something around. If that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus. I want to encourage you to raise your hand. I, I wanna pray with you this morning. A few more moments, and I'm gonna go to the next part today, but if you have come to the place where you realize, I need Jesus. I've tried it on my own. I've tried to work on my own. I've tried to do this and it's not working. I'm not, it's not making it. I, I need a change. I need Jesus. Just for a few moments, I'm going to close this portion. Five, four, three, two, one. Still heads bowed, still eyes closed. We're going to close this time right now in a time of quietness and reflection and and prayer, I want to encourage you today, if you have a, a need, if you have a thing that you want to turn or admit or whatever it might be, these people are here in the front to pray with you. I'll be here to pray with you this morning. But as, as the worship team plays, as we worship Jesus today for the next few moments, I want to encourage you to allow him to search your heart with that question. And then if you have an answer... Say, God, turn my heart towards you. I pray this in Jesus' name.